Game seven, eight seconds left, home team down by one. Oh, the home team strips the ball and the point guard is all alone. But it appears that there's a wet spot on the free throw line. The fans go silent. Their championship aspirations flash before their eyes. Wait, someone's running out on the court. Oh my, it's the towel boy. How did he clean it so fast? The point guard takes off and dunks the ball. Game over, the crowd erupts. Towel boy, towel boy. Thank you once again for a magnificent standing ovation. My name is Andy. And I'm Landon. And we, of course, are the Towel Boys. So in this pod, this is going to be the second part of our two-part series talking about underrated and overrated players. And on this pod, we're going to break down some of the negatives of some players we talk about and explain why we think they are overrated. So, Which let's we get feel right very bad it. about. Yeah, we, we don't like trashing players because they're all significantly better than us at everything basketball related and probably just in life in general. But <laughs> <laughs> we got to do it. So, Landon, let's just jump right into yeah. it. Why don't you start off and just talk about your first guy? Yeah, so... We struggled a lot picking these guys because, like like Andy said, everybody in the NBA is a really good player. And we also like these guys as people. So when we're picking people for overrated, we are not intending this to be disrespectful or harmful to their profile in any way. We respect these guys like no other. With that being said, we'll go into my third most overrated player in the league and that would be kyle kuzma standing at 6'8 220 pounds he is only 24 years old Kuz. and he Kuz. and he has the body to be a very good nba player he averages 13 points five rebounds and one assist this season on the lakers behind anthony davis LeBron James, and some others. Some say he's the third option, but that's really where I'm coming from here. It's hard to call him the third option because he has been so inconsistent this year, which is really sad because I really liked him a lot last year. Last year, everybody liked him a lot. He averaged 19 points per game, 5.5 rebounds, 2.5 assists. He was making plays on both sides of the ball. And when the Anthony Davis trade happened, people were wondering, Are they going to trade Kuzma or Ingram or both? What's going to happen? And rumor was the Lakers chose to keep Kuzma. I don't know how valid those rumors are, but he was a very valuable player to them last year. And I understand why they would want to keep him. Obviously, letting Ingram go looks like a big mistake at this point. But Kuzma did play well, enough to at least justify the thought of keeping him. But this year, he's completely let his entire reputation down averaging a lot less points than he did last year in which his field goal percentage has dipped from 46 to 43 and his three point percentage has never been very good it's at 29.7 percent this year Jeez, that's that's bad it's pretty bad yeah and the worst part about that is that 40 percent of the shots that he takes are threes the shot that he's the worst at he's taking the most of any any comments? Yeah, no, I was going to say, Kuzma last year was awesome. If the Lakers 
actually decided to keep Kuzma over Brandon Ingram, that's going to be a really, really big mistake that they will not be able to forget anytime soon. I think Brandon Ingram on this team instead of Kuzma puts the Lakers, even though, I mean, right now it's a lot of people say 50-50 Lakers Clippers. I'd give the Lakers the edge. That's another 20-point scorer and a really good defender. Um, Kuzma's a good player. He's young. He has time. Uh, my biggest excuse for him this year is that he went from being on a Lakers team that wasn't very good last year and having a lot of freedom to do what he wants offensively to transitioning towards a LeBron AD focused team that is really built on surrounding LeBron and Anthony Davis with role players that can shoot and defend. And Kuzma doesn't have the ability to freelance and find his own in the NBA that he might have had on a bad team. So he needs to improve over the next few years or else he'll continue to be overrated. But I think that this is just a setback year, and I do think he'll improve on this year. Yeah, I completely agree. And you know, he lost minutes and he lost his starting position going from last year to this year, which you think would justify some of the drop-off in stats. But then when you look at it, not only did he lose those, but then his production dipped. So it wasn't offsetting. It it doubled down to where he lost the minutes and and he lost his efficiency, which is a little scary going into the future because when you think about last year, there's a possibility it could have been a fluke. But honestly, he's not a defensive playmaker. If you watch tape of his defense, you'll see that he's kind of slow moving around. He doesn't pay attention much to what's going on. He'll get cut behind him and he won't even notice and his defensive stance is a little weird. He kind of hops around on the on his like tippy toes and he gets caught jumping a lot. He doesn't have the best defensive fundamentals and he's not super physical. There are a lot of times where he'll be in the paint and at 6'8", 220, you'd expect him to go up and block some shots. But Kuzma is not that type of player and he'll a lot of times just stay lower and try not to foul. Yeah. No, I, I agree with what you said. He he has the potential to, to really be the Lakers' third best option on a good team and to, to create and play make and shoot well. It's just a matter of time, practice, becoming a more consistent player. And I think over time that will happen to him. But right now, obviously, he's struggling trying to find his own. Yeah, I, I mean, being the third option behind those two has proven to be difficult for all of the the past people who have been the third option on a LeBron-led team. So I can't yeah. fault him entirely for it, but I do think that he is overrated at this point given his drop in production and the fact that any Lakers fan you talk to thinks he's a big three with Anthony Davis and LeBron James, which is a ridiculous assessment. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't even think he's the third most valuable player on that team. I, I think come playoff time... Who do you think? Like I, I think Danny Green's gonna play a more pivotal role than than Kyle Kuzma in the playoffs. I agree. Big men, Dion Waiters, Dwight Howard. They're not good, but they're providing to be decent. Not Dion Waiters. Rondo could be decent in the playoffs. He hasn't been great this year. So I don't know. Kuzma doesn't stick out as the clear third guy like the Lakers hoped he would be, based on last year's stats. It's not too late for that, but. Right now, he's, can you stop he's, ignoring my Dion Waiters chance, please? Dion Waiters will have a very slim impact on the Lakers 
I don't think he's good. We can have this. We argument. might need a whole pod to discuss this. We we should have a whole pod to discuss Deion Waiters. Let's do that. Let's not talk about this. Now. <laughs> That's fair. All right. On to your number three. Okay. So I hate to bring this player up because I really hope he succeeds. And he he 100% has the potential to. But my third most overrated player is Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins has had a decent season. He's averaging almost 22 points a game, five rebounds, and three and a half assists. There's a few knocks on him that he really hasn't improved on, which is why he's still slightly overrated to me. One being his his field goal percentage. He's shooting about 44.7%, which is under the league average, and he's shooting 33% from three, which is pretty poor. Andrew Wiggins in college and in high school was supposed to be the next guy after the LeBrons and the Kevin Durant's of the world, he was supposed to be a top 10 player, an incredible score, and he's really athletic and can be very, very effective on the defensive end. But he really hasn't improved since college. His field goal percentage has stayed about the same since college, when really in college you get away with a lot more fouls that aren't called. So it's it's harder to shoot well in college. So he hasn't shot any better. His... Field goal or his free throw percentage has gone down since college, which is never good. And his three point percentage is staying about the same. Even though he's averaging 22, which is why a lot of people think he's a really good player, he hasn't had the impact defensively that we've seen. He's been improving, but he's still not the defender that I know he can be. And his playmaking's lacking. He shouldn't be averaging less than four assists a game when he could shoot this well and he could draw doubles, which is what I think one day he will do. He's averaging around two and a half turnovers which isn't like a, a it's it's a decent amount. It's nothing crazy, but it doesn't really help his numbers. And this is all with a pretty high usage rate. So he's scoring a lot, but that's because he has the ball a lot. And I know he's on a bad Warriors team this year. And before that, he was on Minnesota, which wasn't very good. But given his talent, I think he should be producing more. Yeah, I know a lot of people share your viewpoint on that. And I would push back a little bit in that I think... He is a very good scorer, maybe not from three as much, but definitely in the paint. I think the biggest knock on him is actually his shot selection, in which he loves those fadeaway mid-range shots. I have it here that he takes 45% of his shots from three to 16 feet, which is pretty brutal because those are known to be the least efficient shots unless you're really good at them, and he isn't as elite as Chris Paul or Michael Jordan to where he should be taking those consistently. Yeah, I agree. And what really, really concerns me a little bit about Wiggins production and and potential is that when he got drafted in, in 2014, the first year he put up 17, his second year, he put up uh, about 21 and his third year, he put up 23 and a half points and his shooting percentage went up the first year and pretty much stayed the same the second year. He he was on this trajectory to, to drop 30 points a game and to be this really good scorer and playmaker. And the next few years, he he uh, he took a step back and he's kind of maintained shooting 45%-ish, which isn't horrible, but given his athletic ability, he should be getting to the rim and taking less mid-range fadeaways, like you said, and more more drives to the basket and layups drawing more contact. And I think that's one thing that Steve Kerr can do a really good job of if I agree. He is successful and that 
getting Wiggins to take better shots. Obviously, he's going to be in a better system. So that's something I'm looking forward to. Yeah. One last stat, actually. Oh, go for it. Uh, Wiggins, yeah, I was just going to say another thing on his defense. That's the biggest thing that needs to improve for Wiggins' game. His offense is there. If he becomes a really good defender, I won't complain about his scoring anymore. But he ranked last year 424th in defensive rating out of the whole NBA. That's that's an ouch. <laughs> I mean, the Timberwolves are terrible on defense, so I, I don't think you can completely attribute that to him. You can't solely contribute it, but it's a lot of his fault, his guys blowing by him when he he has the ability to be a lockdown defender. I agree. And Steve Kerr has actually said that he thinks that Andrew Wiggins is a lockdown defender. He said he feels confident putting him on the best players on the other team. He was happy because he finally has that wing defender to really throw at LeBron for a whole game. And he at least has the size and maybe not the physicality, but potential physicality to really match up with somebody like that. And one point I just wanted to make, you referenced the drop off in Andrew Wiggins efficiency and points per game from the 2016-2017 season to the 2017-2018 season. And there's a very important Timberwolves acquisition that caused that drop in points per game. He happens to be on the Miami Heat right now. And that man is Jimmy Butler, who went to the Timberwolves, turned it into a winning organization for one season. And in doing that, probably stunted Wiggins' growth a little bit. Yeah, no, it's that's a fair point. It looks like it. His shooting percentage went down, and he didn't really become a, a better defender at that point. I do think going back to the Warriors culture that that Wiggins will become a better defender learning from Draymond and Clay and being in a winning culture that does that stops at nothing to win as we've seen he'll he'll be much better off in the future. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. He will definitely be better off in this organization. So, on to my number 2. I have Toby here. Tobias Harris. 68 235 pounds, 27 years old. It's a very interesting proposition to say that Tobias is overrated because he puts up very good numbers and he does it pretty efficiently. He puts up 19 points, 7 rebounds, and 3 assists per game. My problem with it is not as much the scoring. He's a proven scorer. He can score from all three levels. While he's not the most efficient in the league, he's not the least efficient. He's right in the middle He's a pretty good scorer, but he's an average playmaker for a star. He doesn't command a lot of attention, and he's on a team with a bunch of other superstars, yet he only averages three assists per game, despite a high usage rate of 24%, meaning that when he's on the court, he's holding the ball a lot. He's just not making plays with it, and people would usually say to counter that, that Simmons is holding the ball a lot and that he's making the plays. But a usage rate that high indicates that he has plenty of opportunities to be doing it himself. Furthermore, he's not super physical. He doesn't really get to the line. He only attempts three free throws per game, but he takes 16 shots per game, meaning that a lot of his shots aren't going up hard against the defense. A lot of it's fadeaways, and a lot of it's just open shots. But he's not super physical on rebounding either. He doesn't box out like you would expect him to. He gets seven boards a game, but a guy his size could be averaging even more. He's just not that big body down low kind of power forward. He's more of a stretch four that actually plays three on the Sixers because they're so big 
realistically, he's a four. And he's honestly best standing in the corner, sometimes taking fadeaway mid-range shots, post-fades when the shot clock's winding down. But he's not where I expected him to be on the Sixers. When they acquired him from the Clippers last year, I thought they were going to win the East. And instead, they go down in the playoffs to the eventual champions, the Toronto Raptors, on a last-second shot. And when I say it like that... Clank, clank, clank. Exactly. And when when I say <laughs> it like that, you're going to be like, okay, well, he did well because they were seven games into the series when they eventually lost. And I could come back at you with his drop in efficiency. He shot 49% from the field during the regular season last year, yet in the playoffs, he shot 42.5%. So he dropped off 6.5%. You can expect a drop in field goal percentage from everybody going into the playoffs. It's a tougher brand of basketball. But that significant of a drop for a player they thought could potentially swing the tides their way is ridiculous. He really dropped the ball. He probably could have helped the Sixers move past the Raptors and potentially go on to win a championship because if the Warriors go down like they did against them, they probably would have won that series. Tobias Harris is a very good player. With that being said, he is not a borderline all-star like people were saying this year. There should not have been any possible reason to vote for him because he isn't that elite of a player. So I was thinking about Tobias Harris the other day, and I actually came up, I think I figured out what he needs to improve on. So Tobias Harris, as you said, is 6'8", 235. Carmelo Anthony is 6'8", 240. Carmelo Anthony and Tobias Harris share a very similar jab step and jump shot. The problem is, Melo, in his younger part of his career, and even when he was on the Knicks, was a really explosive driver. He had the ability to launch off his hop, his uh, pivot foot and get to the rim in one or two dribbles and draw contact. And Tobias Harris, as much as he jabs, has not scared anybody by driving to the rim. He needs to implement another level to his scoring where he can make opponents fear him driving. Or else, who's scared of Tobias Harris? He's just going to pull up and take jump shots. He has a quick release, which is helpful, but until he starts driving more and becoming more aggressive, I think just taking too many jump shots is not the answer for him. Yeah, and you know he was really good on the Clippers. I remember he hit a last-second shot right before he got traded that, that won the Clippers a game. And then he got shipped out to Philly, which I thought was going to benefit his career. I guess I guess we'll see. It hasn't looked pretty so far. Um, but overall, I think that Tobias has a very good offensive game. Like you said, he's not as much of a driver or a slasher as you might expect of him. But he has a pretty jump shot. And I would say he takes pretty good shots. He's not one of those to just go and hog the ball and clog possessions. He's he's pretty teammate oriented. And he doesn't always have to play on ball. So I just think that he should be on all-star level potential and he just he doesn't have it. He doesn't have it. No, and, and I I think the reason why he's overrated is that people really view him as that borderline all-star and just because he's a scorer, I mean, there's a lot of guys 
in today's NBA, given the inflation in stats and, and how fast the pace is that can put up 20 points a game. At this point, 20 points isn't what it used to be. 20 points is like 25, 26 points is the new 20 points. So him putting up 19 and 7, it's good, but he's not an all-star for doing no. that. Agreed. All right, on to your number two. Yep. So my number two is a player that we're both pretty familiar with. He is a former member of the Miami Heat. Uh, yes. His name is Hassan Whiteside. Yeah. Hassan Whiteside is really lazy. <laughs> I watched it when he was on the Heat, and from what I heard this year, I haven't seen as many Trailblazers games, of course, but I don't think he's any more active. The few Blazers fans I know get really annoyed with him. Whiteside's putting up pretty good stats, and he's having a, another career year in blocks. He's averaging 16 and 14. He's only having one assist a game, which is one of the things I'll talk about in a little bit. And he's averaging three blocks, I think 3.1. I think he's tied for the league leader in blocks. And he's shooting 62% from the field. Whiteside is a very good rim protector. He's great at helping. The problem is, he's not a very good defender in general. There's a lot of guys that I remember when he was on the Heat, and even when he's on the Blazers this year, like a Valanchunas or, or a Vucevic, where Whiteside's a big body, and he should do more to impact shots, and it just seems like he's 6'8 out there guarding and not 7'7'1 seven, seven, like he is. He, he doesn't really have much of an offensive game outside of putbacks and lobs. His shot is very eh. Yes, I, I know that you prepped this argument that he shoots 57% from three. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not going to I'm I not gonna gonna let, even let you argument. do it. What the hell? Yeah. This man I'm shoots 57% from three. How are you not going to mention that? I think he's probably taken like nine threes this year. <laughs> so, so um, obviously his shot's not there. His free throw, he kind of struggles with. He doesn't really get to the line that much anyway, but... There, there were a few stats that, that I thought that looked a little concerning. I know the rest of this Portland team isn't great defensively, but they have the fourth worst defensive rating in the league. If you're going to call Whiteside a defensive anchor, that number just, there's a lot of bad teams on defense. And the fact that they're worse than some of those teams, that, that says a lot. He doesn't, as I said, he doesn't really box out and hustle. They give up the second most, actually they give up the most second chance points per game, which is a lot of a center not, boxing out and getting boards this, this guy this guy should be putting up 22 points and 16 or 17 boards he has that ability it's just the fact that he's inconsistent doesn't have that much of an offensive game and the fact that he's lazy just this puts together this argument for why he should be better and a lot of people were saying Whitesides this year like the eighth best center or the 10th best center i've i've heard i really haven't heard lower than 12 to 13 but if you're a player that has 404 games and 277 assists, which is absolutely <laughs> horrific, it means you don't move the ball, and he doesn't have an offensive game, and he doesn't hustle that much. And we know when he was back in the heat in the earlier days, he had his triple-double with blocks, and we know that funny interview he had where he talked about how his 2K rating should be higher and how nobody gets a triple-double with blocks. And that was really when we saw full Hassan Whiteside potential. We, we saw where he could go. And his stats were similar to what they are today. And it just seems like he hasn't worked on his game enough and he doesn't put in the hustle and work ethic that he needs to take the next step, which is exactly why Bam kicked him out the door and the Heat said, we're kind of done with you. We want Bam to be our starter. 
obviously now we know Bam is so much better. At the time, I mean, Whiteside, he doesn't really have an excuse besides he doesn't always put in 100% effort. Yeah, and you know, I have a lot of funny memories of Hassan, but I think that just the worst one was when the Heat were playing the Sixers in the 2018 playoffs, and everybody was typing up Hassan Whiteside. They were like, yeah, this guy's going to compete with Joel Embiid. Can't wait to watch this matchup. And then Embiid was beating up on him so bad that they just had to pull Hassan and barely play him the rest of the series. Bam Adebayo replaced him and took all of his minutes, all of his possessions. And there was just nothing to do. Spolstra would insert Whiteside into the lineup and everything would go downhill. It was really embarrassing for him. And that was when I, as a Heat fan, really changed my mind about him. And I think that's when the nation really opened up its eyes to the kind of player that Hassan Whiteside is. A lot of stats, not a lot of winning. He got the he got the work that series. Yeah, I remember that. All right, so yeah, I, th- I think that's it on him. So okay, on to my most overrated player in the entire NBA, and this one's tough because this guy puts up great stats, is highly regarded by a lot of people, and yet I think he is incredibly overrated. And that is the six foot five inch, two hundred fifteen pound. 26 years old, Spencer Dinwiddie. I actually saw him on a list online for most underrated in the, in the league this year, which I think is pretty comical, and you'll understand why in a second. People act like he's a borderline all-star, and they act like he's better for the Nets than Kyrie Irving. And what they're missing is how inefficient he is. For his entire career, Spencer Dinwiddie has shot 41% from the field, which is terrible. 41% should not be shot in a single season for a guy that's so highly regarded. This year, he is shooting 41.5% from the field, clearly showing that he's not improving too much as his career progresses. For his entire career, he has been shooting 32% from three. So everybody that thinks that he can step back and take threes at an efficient rate, you're just confused. This year, he shot 31% from three, a drop from his career average, and yet people are saying he's a borderline all-star this year. Yeah, okay. He is 114th out of 129th in field goal percentage out of players with 20 minutes per game or more. And he, Spencer Dinwiddie has no defense to go along with it. He has a career average of two rebounds per game, despite being 6'5 and 215 pounds. Two rebounds. And yeah, you can say he plays on the perimeter or whatever, but there are a lot of guards that take threes all the time and still make their way inside to get at least three boards per game. Like, you could get two boards by just standing there and having the ball come to you off the rim. That's not impressive. (laughs) Come on, Spencer. He has low steal numbers, low block numbers. He has the 17th most turnovers in the league. And here's where it gets really interesting. He shoots a bunch of mid-range, like we were talking about with Wiggins earlier. Guys who do that, if you're going to do that, you have to be good at them, or else it's going to look embarrassing because they're the least efficient shot, and if you shoot them at an inefficient rate, you're not helping your team. So he bricks a ton of them. He's 26% from 10 to 16 feet out, and 35% from 3 to 10 feet out. 
35% from three to 10 feet out. Think about that. That's like a floater level. And he's 35% from those. He also makes errant passes where he's trying to do too much. He's dribbling around, maybe gets doubled and just kind of throws it out of bounds or doesn't make the right pass. It's just not always the prettiest passing or playmaking with him. And the last thing I have to say about him, this one everybody can relate to, this whole investment vehicle contract thing, I thought it was pretty cool at first, but the way he turned it into that whole, whoever pays the most for this, I'll go to your team and free it. Like, nobody cares. You're Spencer Dinwiddie. You're not freaking Kawhi Leonard. (laughs) Yeah. God, that was a rant. I was not expecting to go on a rant, but there you go. Yeah, no, Dinwiddie, I I like Dinwiddie. Uh, I didn't realize how bad he was shooting. I think that some of that is coming from a place where he really hasn't ever had this role, and he's stepped up and taken this role, and he's been able to play make very well. But his shooting's pretty inefficient, and that's that's not going to cut it on a Nets team next year that's that's vying for a title. So he's got to work on that. He's going to have the ball he's in his hands significantly out. less next year. He won't be on that team next he might. year. He might. Yeah, it's very possible. He's getting traded. He's going to be a good player. He has time. He's beginning his prime. If he gets more efficient, he could end up becoming a borderline all-star. I don't think he's ever going to be an yeah, all-star. I, I've seen him be clutch before. Like I've seen him make like really nice shots within the last 30 seconds, but he just can't put it together for a whole game. Yeah, he, he's, he's more of a third or a fourth option on a team. He's not going to be your first or second guy unless you're going to be a sub-30 win team. Yeah, I mean, honestly, he would be a good option for the Nets, except after his whole investment vehicle fiasco. I don't foresee them wanting him around too much after he said he would literally go to the team in the NBA that paid him the most. So, Yeah, it's, I, don't, I don't get that. Not a good look. No. That that's it. I don't I don't have too much to say about him besides that. I, I agree that he could be shipped. Yep. Alright. And why would he be shipped? Let's find out on Andy's number one. So I might get a lot of hate for this. I might not. People are are all over the place with this guy. Some people call him a top ten player. Some people call him a top fifteen player. Some people say he's outside the top fifteen, which is where where my opinion lies. Kyrie Irving is the most overrated player in the NBA. People think he's the second or third best point guard behind Steph or maybe behind Dame, but there's at least two or three other point guards who are better than him. I'm taking CB3, I'm taking Ben Simmons, I'm taking Russell Westbrook over Kyrie Irving. And here's why. Kyrie Irving's best known for his scoring. He's averaging 27.5 points this year, which is by far the most he's ever averaged, but he's also been hurt a lot of the time. So we don't even know if he'd consistently keep that up. He's only averaging 22.5 points his whole career, which is a lot for a good player, but it's not a lot for what we're making Kyrie Irving out to be. He's had one year where he's averaged over 25, which in today's NBA is very good scoring, but it's not elite. I think he's like the 8th or ninth best scorer this year and fourth, the 4th best point guard scorer behind Trey Young, Damon Westbrook, and he's averaging less assists than all of these players. Let's remember that Kyrie, by far his best quality, is that he's a scorer who's a very good dribbler and can get open for his own shot, but 
he doesn't elevate his teammates, and he's not a good defender, and he's not really a good rebounder either. So let's let's add on to this by saying Kyrie Irving brings negative energy and is a bad leader, and he thinks the earth's flat. <laughs> he thinks the earth's flat. I'm pretty sure he went back on that statement at some point. He did eventually, but that's just because he got yelled at enough. I don't even know if he, if he thinks the earth is flat or not, but he said it. He's he's a very okay defender. He has quick hands. He's an okay defender. The one other thing I'll give him, and I'm not trying to completely trash Kyrie Irving because I think he's a really good basketball player, is that he was incredibly clutch in Cleveland, and he helped LeBron and that Cavs team win a title. He's not the only reason. I'm not going to go that far and say that he saved LeBron because I don't believe in that narrative. You shouldn't. That people say LeBron, LeBron put up outstanding numbers and was the leader of that team. But once once you look after Cleveland... He held back that Boston Young core, and they're much better with Kemba, but he took away minutes and shots from Tatum and Brown, and he stumped their progress. And then also this year on the Nets, the Nets are 8-12 and with Kyrie Irving. They're under 500. And without him, with Spencer Dinwiddie, they're 22-22. and So that's, that's another thing that Kyrie has never really brought winning. On Cleveland, before LeBron joined, their team... Before Kyrie was drafted, when they got the number one pick, they were 19-63, and 63, which is awful. The next year was a shortened season. They were 21-45, and 45, so I think that puts them on pace for something like 26, 27 wins, which is seven or eight wins. Is, it's an improvement. I'll give them that. The next year, they went 24-58. and 58. It's only a five-win improvement with the second year in the season from being a 19-win team. It's just Kyrie is a good scorer, but he doesn't elevate his teammates. He's not a great passer, and I don't know why there's all this hype about him being the second-best point guard because there's no question that Dame is a better player. Not only is Dame a better passer and rebounder, and he's a better defender even, but Dame is as good at scoring, if not better. And Trey Young's already proven to be a better scorer, and Westbrook's been a better scorer this year, and Ben Simmons is a better scorer, but he's better at everything else. And there's just, like, CP3 is more, like, I, I don't know. It, Kyrie doesn't do it for me the way that he, he does. He's not a top 15, top 10 player. He's a really good player. He's going to be a very good compliment to Kevin Durant. But I will never, if somebody ever tells me that Kyrie and Kevin Durant are both tier one superstars, I'm going to laugh in their face because he's not. I think that he is very comparable to Allen Iverson. They both have sick handles, can score over anybody put up big performances, but in the end, they have high usage rates and they don't always lead to a winning team. Like Allen Iverson only made the playoffs eight times. And it's just something about that style of play where you're so flashy and you you just dribble so much despite being good at it that it just doesn't lead to good ball movement to your teammates appreciating you. There are just so many things that come from that style of play that don't always positively affect the team. And Allen Iverson is a top 35 player of all time. He was in my honorable mentions when we did our list a couple of pods ago. But he doesn't make the top 25 despite being as iconic as he was. As culturally important as Allen Iverson was, written in all these raps it's wild how much people that don't watch basketball at all know the name Allen Iverson. 
And Kyrie Irving is not that culturally important, but it's along those lines where people just know his name because he's so flashy. He has has the best handles of all time. That is why people know his name. And he's hit big-time shots before. But what a lot of people don't get is that in the long run, yes, he was a champion, but that doesn't mean he's going to be a champion again. And LeBron James was by far the leader on that team. It's not even close. So a couple of things. Allen Iverson and Kyrie Irving are comparable on the fact that they are both very good ball handlers and are flashy players. However, Kyrie Irving is nowhere near the score that Allen Iverson was. He averages like six to seven, eight points less, and that was when AI was putting up 29 points. He also put up 33 points and 31 a couple of times. On top of that, Allen Iverson played in a time where the pace was a little bit slower. So, so if anything, there's more possessions today, and Kyrie's still putting up less. So Kyrie isn't the scorer AI is. I get why you're comparing him, but he's not the same scorer AI was. Kyrie also has never proven that he can even take a team to the playoffs or even make be a 500 record. AI brought a team to the finals, and he was the best player. And that's, that's really impressive, and that's another feat that I don't think Kyrie's ever going to get to. Obviously, Kyrie has a title and AI doesn't, but we all know it's because of LeBron. If AI had LeBron, they'd probably win three or four titles. So in, in that sense, I get why you're comparing him. Well, but at the same time, Kyrie's not the player. You AI say was. that he's not the same level of scorer, but I completely disagree. He averages four less shots per game and shoots 47% from the field where Allen Iverson shoots 43% from the field. I think Kyrie is very much equal to Allen Iverson as a scorer. It's also the the amount of attention, though. Kyrie being the second best player isn't going to get the attention that Allen Iverson did. I He's not the scorer that he was. Kyrie's a very good a scorer and very good scorer, and he's more efficient. But AI drew so much more attention and was still able to put up crazy numbers in a time where they had less possessions. That it They're not the same score. Kyrie's a really good scorer. He's never put up more than 25 points a game in a full season. He only played 20 games this year. So, I don't know. Kyrie being a top 15 player for me, is, it's just wrong. He's he's simply overrated at this point. I, I don't feel that way. I think he is very much in the top 15 conversation and that he does command just as much attention as anyone on offense. He shoots 39% from three, 48% from the field this year. He's ridiculous. He's so good. I'm not saying that there aren't some people that think he's a little too good, but to say he's the most overrated player in the NBA is ridiculous to me. Is he who's better, Kyrie or Dame? Dame. Who's I better, agree. Kyrie I agreed with the ones that you said. I think Well, then he's not a top 15 player just based off that. Those I mean CP3 and Ben Simmons aren't top 15 players necessarily. I guess I guess so, what I'm really getting at is that I think there are better point guards than him, but I don't think that necessarily makes them better as players. When I'm when I'm thinking about the top 5 best point guards in the league, I don't ne- I don't think of it as who are the 5 best players among the point guards. I'm thinking about it as who are the best at being a point guard. And, and Kyrie has more shooting guard qualities than point guard qualities. 
Okay, but I, I still take the guys I named. I think they're better players than Kyrie. Westbrook's an all-around player. Dame's better at what Kyrie does, and he does more. CP3 is just different. He's an incredible playmaker. See, that's ben one. Ben Simmons is one of the best defenders. Are you going to say Chris what? Paul is higher than Kyrie Irving as like a player in the NBA? This year, yes, of course. But just in general... I, that's a pretty hot take. I I think I think Chris Paul is a better basketball player than Kyrie Irving. Yes, I'm not. I would no, rather but, have Chris Paul on my team end, than Kyrie Irving. Even now, at the end of his career, I just I don't think I can. I, I yeah, I can't agree with that. Kyrie. I mean, he's proved it the last two years. Chris Paul's been really good, and he's more he of a winning been. player than Kyrie. Yes, he's been very good. It's just that when Kyrie is on, I mean, you saw it in the finals. He put up forty. A lot of guys can't do that. I don't think Chris Paul would do that if he made the finals. No, but no, Kyrie's a phenomenal scorer, and CP3 can't score anywhere near what Kyrie can when Kyrie's on. But we've never seen Kyrie lift a team up and make them better. He's been on a LeBron team, and he's going to be on a Kevin Durant team, who are going to go down as potentially two top ten players ever. Durant's very, it's very possible if he wins another ring, he's in the top ten conversation. So Kyrie's had that. And Chris Paul's been the leader of pretty much every team of his, minus the Rockets, which James Harden was technically the leader, but Chris Paul was very much up there in playmaking. I I think Chris Paul, even at this stage in his career, is a more efficient, effective, better basketball player than Kyrie Irving. Yeah, and you know, part of my problem with people trashing Kyrie is that he has a really bad reputation. And while some of it is definitely deserved, I think others, other parts of it are kind of made up by the media and then misconstrued by fans. And I don't think he's a bad guy like everybody claims. Like when Woj tweeted that he was the disruptor in quotations, I, I just think that's such a harsh way to look at a guy who's just trying to play basketball and and just trying to be himself. I don't know. I think it's a little... A little harsh the way that NBA fans treat Kyrie Irving. Yeah, and I, and I I will say this: Kyrie's an exceptional talent. He's a really good player. I just what I'm saying, where I'm coming from by saying he's overrated, is I think that people think he's better than he actually is, and I think a lot of my point is due to winning and being or him lacking leadership. So that that's my angle on that. Yeah, right, and. With that, I guess my only thing is when you say leadership, a lot of that is derived from the Celtics because he wasn't carrying that Cavs team to go anywhere without LeBron. That team was just bad. So I don't really fault him for that much. It's like faulting Devin Booker for the Suns' woes. It's just unfair. Um, The Celtics experiment was a failure on his part and the Celtics' part and Brad Stevens' part and Al Horford's part and everyone involved in that and a lot of the blame got placed on Kyrie by the media and I don't know how much of that should be attributed to him it's not like a bunch of players came out and said oh yeah Kyrie sucks it just kind of went by and nobody really nobody on the team gave him the blame outwardly so I just don't know how much of that leadership stuff is made up and how much of it is legitimate. And I'm not saying it's not real. I just question it. The fact that the Celtics played better with Terry Rozier and now Kemba Walker, to me, makes it seem like Kyrie was the problem. And 
there's not really anything at this point because it's in the past that anybody can convince me to say otherwise. It's just seeing the team and how it's not drastically different this year. I know there's some players gone, but the core is still intact. And last year, it was the same team when Terry Rozier out was being a better team player and the Celtics were better without Kyrie. I don't know. The leadership to me is not there. It's never been there. I think that's one of his big flaws. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, I definitely see where people get that from. And while I personally don't want to just believe it without getting proof, I, I do understand why you feel that way. All right, so let's let's transition over into our last segment, our our towel boy takes of the day. So, Landon, go ahead. All right, I always love these. So. My towel boy take of the day is that Kyle Kuzma gets traded this offseason for a more experienced player to assume the third man role, much like Bosch and Love once occupied, so that LeBron James and Anthony Davis can have a reliable third option, they can miss some games, and have that guy come in and win those games for them. Who do you think it's going to be? What's your prediction? Hmm... I honestly haven't really thought about it, but if I just had to guess, it would be very interesting to, well, let me say this. I think that he would go somewhere that already has a young core and they're trying to add to it. And with that in mind, I'm thinking it could be possible, however unlikely, that they swap Kyle Kuzma with Drew Holiday on the Pelicans and they become partners yet again. Chicago, Chicago. He does seem like Zach a Chicago Levine, type. maybe? Uh, no. No, they wouldn't accept that for Zach Levine. Zach Levine's too good. I, I'm thinking Drew just because he is an older, more experienced veteran. I don't think the Lakers are going to look for somebody that hasn't been in the playoffs like Zach Levine. Yeah. Even though that would be very cool. Oh, that'd be awesome. Exactly for sure. For sure. So my towel boy take of the day is also related to one of my players. It is related to Andrew Wiggins, and it is some positive news for that guy. I think Wiggins will actually prove me wrong next year. I don't think he'll be overrated anymore. I think he's going to blend very nicely into the Warriors system. Not having to be the best player or even the second best player is going to do wonders for him. He's going to learn from Draymond and Clay how to play defense. And he's finally, finally, finally going to become an efficient basketball player. I He kind of has to. He doesn't have much of a choice within that Warrior system. They have everything no. locked down, and they know who they're running their offense through. Steph Curry is the engine to that machine, and Wiggins will be a factor, but he will not be the main piece, and that should be interesting for him. I think I think the Warriors' best case for him would be turning him into Harrison Barnes when they won the title. That's that's the kind of player I could see him being, a, a decent defender, a good shooter. And Wiggins has the talent to be more, but that would be a really good starting point, Harrison Barnes. I agree. Yeah, so thanks everybody for tuning into this podcast where we discuss the most overrated players, which is not the most fun subject at times because it's kind of insulting, but <laughs> it's done. 
Make sure to stay updated on social media as always. Our at is just at the towel boys on Instagram and Twitter. We'll be posting lots of stuff every day. Stay tuned for, for any more podcasts that come out in the near future. Always remember to embrace your inner towel boy.